All right, great, Hi, grateful for editing software. We can take off that first part of the recording where I was holding out that long high note. There. <laughs> A little bit of cracking. <laughs> Beautiful. Wow, thanks, man. Thank you, Riley. <laughs> okay, let's pray real quick and then I'll get started here. God, thank you so much for this morning. Um, I'm just grateful to be here with my family in Clemson. Um, God, you know, I was so tired this morning. I'm grateful for Daniel and Courtney getting engaged last, well, yesterday afternoon and getting to go down and see them in Columbia. But my bedtime is 9 o'clock and I was up after midnight. So I, I pray that you'll just give me an extra dose of your spirit right now to uh, really preach your word confidently. Uh, Lord, I thank you that it is your word that I'm sharing with everyone. It's not my own wisdom. I pray that that's what will connect with everyone's hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, help me to forget the things I don't need to say and to remember things that my tired brain barely could. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so um, this morning I'm not sharing some totally new epiphany with you guys. Uh, really, it's just some scriptures that I think connect with a lot of the stuff we've already been talking about. Uh, these are some things that were on my heart as I just finished reading through the New Testament um, so we will only be in the New Testament this morning, but, um, yeah, I had random scriptures that have really just been standing out as we've been focusing on the inside out change idea and also just loving well. And this has been kind of a big year for me and for my wife, Anna Claire, if anyone doesn't know her, beautiful girl in the front in the brown sweater. Um, but we've had a lot of life changes, um, Really, in the last year and a half, I started a new job, Anna Claire graduated, um, and then I just feel like a lot of other things have changed. Maybe it hasn't been that much. We painted the ceilings in our guest room. I don't know. It wasn't even us either. We just scratched off the old stuff. Um, but it really, it's felt like there's been a lot going on, and there have been some big decisions uh, just about the future and trying to figure out a budget together as a couple and trying to figure out my career path and uh, really, I've just been thinking a lot about who I am um, when no one's watching. So first, just two questions for you guys to write down and think about later. You don't need to answer this, but um, who are you when you are left to your own devices? When nobody else is around, how do you behave? And I think that can be kind of scary. Um, you know, When we talk about being alone, a lot of times we can talk about it in a relationship sense of, oh, I don't want to be alone, I want to be wanted. I want my friends to want me. I want someone to want me for a romantic relationship. But I think a scarier thing about being alone is just being alone with your thoughts. And it's really scary to think of what you want, what you desire, how selfish you are uh, when there is no one else around. And I think even just India is awesome about sharing that vulnerability of, man, I don't want to sit in silence. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. And I think that's real for a lot of us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, that um, it's scary to see how selfish you can be. And um, for me, as I was thinking about loving well and inside-out change, I think one of the biggest challenges is just being honest with yourself about those times, about, man, this is, this is what I really want out of life. This is what I'm really focused on. This is what I'm prioritizing. And um, that can be scary, but I think when we get in the Bible, it's just it's very obvious what we're supposed to do with that. So, if y'all want to turn with me, we're going to start in First John this morning, and uh, this is a very convicting scripture. Um, 
Honestly, I just love the whole book of First John. Um, I think it's very practical Christianity. It's um, kind of cuts through the whole gospel in a very succinct way, and um, I love that whole chapter. Just going through that this week and really meditating on some of the passages. But uh, starting in verse fifteen, this is what really stood out to me in particular. I'm sorry, chapter two, verse fifteen. It says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. I'm going to read that one more time. Y'all can just listen or you can follow along. It says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. And uh, this is kind of scary. It's kind of intense <laughs> uh, when you really let it sink in. And I feel like, I mean, this scripture really preaches itself. I don't have to expound a lot. It says, don't love the world. Don't love the things that belong to the world. That's really intense. And I was thinking back on Ben's sermon a few weeks ago. And I think for anyone who didn't take time to dwell on that, go look back at your notes, go re-listen, because thinking about decisions, it's so crucial that we're choosing the thing that loves God and not the world. And I was really thinking about that again as we went into midweek this week, and Keith was just talking about getting guidance. And that's a really hard spiritual discipline if you don't want to make the right decision, because you don't want to be around people who are going to tell you to do the thing that you don't want to do. And I think oftentimes that's when it's really hardest for me to reach out for guidance isn't when it's necessarily like some big, big decision every time. I mean, sometimes there are big decisions that it's very obvious which one we need to make, and it happens to be the one we want to make too. Hey, there's this job I'm being offered. It's the only job I'm being offered. There's a church close by. Um, I think I'll do well there. Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Let me go get some advice. Should I take this job? Well, it's the only one you have, and there's a church there, so sure. You know, I mean, that's, not, that's not really a hard time to get advice, but when it comes down to, hey, I really want to start having kids soon, and my spouse doesn't. How do we deal with that? Or, hey, I want to take this position that's going to help me get into management, and this other job looks like it's going to have a much better life balance and it's going to be a lot slower to get all the money. Those are kind of harder decisions, and these are the kind of things that I've been battling through recently, and it's, it's really hard to get advice when you know that the good answer isn't what you want. <laughs> and, I mean, if you're reading the scriptures every day, if you're in prayer, if you're hanging out with spiritual people, a lot of times those answers are kind of obvious coming in. And um, I've just been thinking a lot about this, that, if it's not a salvation issue, it's easy to push things to the side and say, you know what, I won't get advice because I know that I can still have a relationship with God in that decision, so I'm just going to go for it. 
But my question for you is, okay, but if you're making some of these decisions, just because you can stay a Christian and make that decision doesn't mean that you aren't loving the world by choosing it. And that's kind of intense. Like, oh, well, you know, I can date this person who isn't a Christian because I know that I have convictions and I'm not going to be impure with them. Okay, so that's, that, that's really like all you're worried about is that you're going to have sexual sin. Like, you're not worried about the fact that you're with someone who's not trying to push you closer to Jesus. Like, what, what are you prioritizing here? Are you more worried about being in a relationship or being close to God? And, you know, okay, I want to take this job. Oh, it's going to have so much money, and I'm totally going to use that money to serve the church. Well, are you, or are you just selfish and you want a lot of money? Um, that's kind of hard when we're being honest with ourselves, but I think as you look at this scripture, it's, it's just obvious we, we can't live loving the world and say that we're followers of Jesus. And those, those things don't balance. And I'll tell you all, that has been so hard for me in practice recently. It's been really, really hard. I had um, someone approach me with a job, and it was really exciting. It was moving to replace a manager, and that felt really good. The, you know, it, this talked about the pride in one's lifestyle. I'm like, man, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, you know, two years from now, 29 years old, like manager at BMW over this huge department and trips to Germany and the people, like our suppliers coming in and taking you to wine and dine in downtown Greenville all the time. I'm like, man, that sounds really good. But, okay, when you get to that position, you're going to be working 50, 60 hour weeks. And it's an hour away, so we may have to move to Greenville pretty soon if I'm going to take that path. And there were a lot of factors that the more I thought about it, that may not be the best place for me spiritually, and that was really hard. And going to get advice from people at work, they're going to give you a very different answer. And, um, you know, they're all like, are you serious? Like, I talked to this one lady, and I wasn't even asking her for advice, but she gave it to me for free. Um, I, I was like, yeah, like, I got this offer from Paint. I think I'm going to take it down to go to engineering. You know, that one would go into management quicker, but I think this other one will be better work-life balance. She's like... You're always going to have a time with bad work-life balance in your life. Take it now. Get it over with. I was like, well, I want to start trying for kids in the next few years. Oh, your kids will be fine. Doesn't your wife want to stay home? She can take care of them. You need to get that money. I'm like, golly. I'm like, you need to stop talking. I'm like, calm down, lady. Um, Not the advice I wanted. Not the advice I needed to hear either. And, I mean, it was easy for that to be alluring, though, because she, I mean, and this was a very obvious situation where it was bad advice, but there are times that it sounds really good. And even if you're getting advice from Christians who aren't doing very well, they may give you advice that sounds nice. And, hey, oh, yeah, it's, no, not a big deal. Let's, let's all go downtown. Like, it, it's not a big deal. Like, you can have a few drinks. You're going to be fine. Well, have you had a history of drinking too much alcohol? Maybe you shouldn't go downtown at all. You know what I mean? There are times it's like, Yikes. Am, am I talking to people who are really helping me, or am I talking to people who hear, say what I want to hear? And you know, even just, uh, I'm obviously talking a lot about jobs here because that's what's on my heart, but as a college student, am I taking myself out of clubs that aren't going to be good for me spiritually, that are taking up too much of my time, that are pulling me away from the fellowship all the time? Do I need to be involved in 50 clubs to get a job one day? Probably not. Do I need to be responsible with my time and be a light to my classmates? Yes, but you got to know yourself, and you got to get advice from people who know yourself so that you can know, when am I going after the world too much? When am I trying so hard to prepare for my future, prepare for a career, prepare for 
relationship, what, you know, whatever it is, that I'm losing perspective on what's really important here. And I'm not going to make you turn here, but in Philippians 3, um, I was thinking about this scripture this week, and then I talked to Keith, and he was like, oh, I just preached on that a few weeks ago. So um, I was teaching the kids, and I missed it. But in Philippians 3, it talks a lot just about the mindset of Paul that he was really thinking about following Jesus more than he was thinking about following what he wanted. And especially in verse 7, so Philippians 3, 7 says, But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. And I think that that puts this in perspective really well, that not loving the world isn't just because God wants you to not like things. Obviously, I mean, he made us a pretty cool world to live in, and there are a lot of exciting things around us. But the question for me is, okay, am I going for what's going to be a gain for me all the time, or am I considering everything else meaningless if I don't have Jesus? And in that mindset, sometimes maybe you will get some of the things you want, too. I, I was even talking to someone the other day. They're like, okay, you don't have to choose the choice that makes you miserable all the time. Like, oh, man, I'm going to like that too much. <laughs> Jesus probably wouldn't want me to do it. Like, no, okay, sometimes you get a really cool wife, or sometimes you do get to work for... <laughs> I'm just saying, I got one. <laughs> oh, no. Hopefully y'all like yours too, but um, I really like mine. It's cool. Um, but, you know, I mean, sometimes you do get to make really fun choices. And right now I'm working for my dream company. I, If you ask the freshman Jacob before he became a Christian where he wanted to work, I came to Clemson to get a mechanical engineering degree and work at BMW. Everything changed around. I didn't get a mechanical engineering degree, but God still opened the doors for me to work for my dream company, and um, it's really cool. I, I love that, but I don't necessarily get to take everything cool that's in front of me, and even as I was talking to Anna Claire about this this morning, I'm like, man, this weekend, my friend let me borrow her 5 Series because we were driving to Columbia, and if y'all don't know, I had a really sweet if you don't know about cars, I apologize. I had a 540 with the motorsport package, and it was beautiful, and it was fast, and it was awesome. Oh, I love that car. But as Anna Claire and I were talking about it, like, yeah, it was a, it was a huge discount because we have this leasing program. I get to trade in my cars every few months. Um, it's pretty cool, and it's very cheap compared to what Joe Schmo would come into the BMW dealership and pay, and it has insurance included. So all those things, I'm like, oh, I can totally justify X amount because it's a lot cheaper than other people are paying, so I'm being so financially responsible because at least I'm not paying a normal person rate. But it's like, wait, okay, hold on. But you can get a way cheaper car in your program that's still nice, and you can be healthy with your budget. And right now, we're trying to save for the future and we do want to start having kids one day, and I don't want Anna Claire to have to work full-time, at least for a little while. I want her to be able to be at home with the kids, and that's exciting in concept, but if I'm not making good financial decisions, that's never going to happen. So for me to prioritize you know, my wife's desires and trying to think about taking care of our kids and being smart, it's like, okay, maybe I can't drive the 5 Series, and I'm sharing all this to say a funny thing. As I'm preparing, literally God wanted me to prepare this sermon this week. Even if none of y'all get anything out of it, it was for myself. Because on Friday, okay, so Thursday, I'll just tell y'all, quick story. Thursday, I, y'all remember the red convertible I used to have? If anyone doesn't, 
it was, it was sweet. It had, I'm not kidding you, there are heat blowers on your neck. So I can drive outside, it's like 25 degrees, I've got the top down, heat blowers on my neck, cruising, hot steering wheel. So, so this, this same car like pops up, this girl sends out an email, hey, does anybody want this car? It's assigned to my name right now, but I'm not sure if I want it. I was like, Anna Claire, we've been talking about how much we miss convertibles, maybe we should do it. She's like, how much is it a month? It would cost us about an extra 240 from what we're paying right now. She's like, oh, well, I'm going to let you make the decision. Which, <laughs> like, dang. And I just think about what Jess was saying the other day about, like, getting advice from people because we don't want to have to pick. And it's like, I was kind of hoping that she would just tell me no so I could be like, oh. My wife won't let me. Or she would tell me yes, and I could be like, hey, she's the responsible one, and she said yes, so I'm good. But, okay, so it was a no, and I was like, okay, we're being responsible. I'm going to say no. And then Friday, I take my friend's 5 Series, and she's like, hey, so I decided to keep that 4 Series, and I'm getting it next Thursday. Like, if you like the 5 Series so much, you could just keep it because it doesn't have enough miles yet, and your Mini is already over. So just trade your Mini in, and you can keep the 5 Series for a few months. And, like, yeah, you could just see. And then I like, pull in the driveway, and Anna Claire's like, I love this car. What is, is this for me? And she's like, <laughs> jumps in it. I go inside, I change clothes, use the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. She's still just sitting in the car. Like, she's so happy to be in this car. And it was really tempting. Again, like, I'm like, man, I want this so bad. But thinking through, like, these scriptures, I'm like, man, okay. Everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. And I'm supposed to be not loving the world. I'm supposed to be loving God. And I don't think it's a sin to have a BMW if you have enough money for it. I don't think it's a sin to have a lot of things if you have enough money. As long as they're legal, there are probably a lot of things that someone can have that right now, financially, that's just not a good decision for me. And maybe something lower on the rung, but I don't need a decked out 5 Series that drives itself on the interstate. It was fun, but I don't need that right now. That's, that's not what's important for me. What's important for me is to be close to Jesus. Um, so, okay, so moving on. Um, I was trying to think, okay, I'm supposed to be teaching everyone about this. I'm supposed to be helping them be equipped to actually do this. So how do you get yourself in the place where you're ready to really not love the world? And that, I have a sad answer for you. It's not by waiting until you feel like it. And I think we've talked about that a lot recently, but I don't have a quiet time every morning because I always feel like it. And I don't pray all the time about hard decisions because I feel like it. Sometimes I feel like being really worldly and selfish and doing whatever I want, thinking about whatever I want, um, acting however I want, spending money on whatever I want. Sometimes I'm very focused on me, and that's just kind of human nature, so... I'm not talking about Jacob here. I'm probably talking about all of you. <laughs> Hope, unless one of you may be perfect, but I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Olivia. <laughs> but uh, y'all, y'all flip with me over to James real quick. In James chapter 4, and this is the magical secret to getting yourself to feel ready uh, to do what God wants you to do. So James 4, 7, Keith's like, I've been waiting for this magical secret. I'm glad I'm not Pastor Keith today. <laughs> yeah, 4, 7, 
Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Okay, so that was it. So easy. You guys got this now. (laughs) It's going to be perfect. Um, No, this is still kind of hard. Um, but what's cool is that there are, there are promises in here. S- submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's been really encouraging to me just recently with trying to make more and more responsible decisions, trying to be more spiritual, spend more time in the Word, spend more time loving my wife than loving myself. Um, in all these things, it's about submission and resisting. And I saw this really cool quote the other day, and I'm going to misquote it if I try to get it perfect, but uh, one of the managers at BMW had this little status on her thing, and it was talking about excellence, and she said, excellence isn't a practice that you just become, it's a habit you create, and I was like, okay, that's great, Um, and I was like, what does that even mean? It's just like some weird quote. Then I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, no, she has a really good point with this quote from whoever she got it from that excellence isn't something that just happens. I mean, it is, it's a habit. If you want to start going to the gym more, I can't remember who was saying this the other day. It might have been Keith, but I I don't just magically start going to the gym five days a week. I don't just magically go run a marathon. I don't do all these things all of a sudden. You have to really push yourself to start doing it and make it a habit. And even just thinking about submitting to God, the first few times that you say no to yourself on something that you've been saying yes to for a long time, it is going to feel impossible. I mean, and this is in anything, whether it's you're spending too much money going out to eat all the time, or you're engaging in some sort of sexual sin, or you're over drinking, or you're just lazy and you don't get out of bed to read the Bible in the mornings because you like to sleep till 11 a.m. What, whatever it is, you know, there are a lot of things that we have to learn to say no to, but as we submit ourselves to God, as we read the scriptures like Patrick was sharing about the other day and see, hey, these are, these are sins that aren't okay. I, I can't do this anymore. As, and So first point, you actually have to be reading the Bible to do that. But as we read, as we get into the Word and see things, if you submit, it does become a habit. And with that habit of submitting to God, every time you submit to God, you are resisting the devil. You're pulling away from what you want to do. And this is so cool. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's really neat. Now, I don't think that means like, hey, I said no to Satan one time and glad he's off my back. I can live the next 10 to 80 years of my life in peace. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but um, I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Like, I don't want to think about this. This is depressing. Glad I have insurance. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's not like a one one thing, one time thing. I mean, this is a constant practice. This is... I have to keep saying no to things. And this week, maybe it's your finances. Next week, maybe it's just being less selfish with your wife. The next week, maybe it's your attitude that you have towards your roommates. The next week, maybe it's picking a job that doesn't have the most money, but where you feel like you'll do well spiritually. I mean, it, it's going to be something different for everyone, but the point is resisting and submitting. Um, and with this, I, I don't think it's possible on our own. Um, Obviously, you have to do it with God's help, but sometimes you really need the help of other people. Uh, going back to what we talked about at midweek, and 
This scripture was on my heart this week in Acts 8. And um, you don't have to turn there. But I just think about the Ethiopian eunuch a lot and just his mindset and his humility that he didn't think he had it all together. And so, long story short, Philip is out there, sees this guy in a chariot. The spirit's like, hey, go up to this guy. Like, okay, I'm going to go up to the guy. I'm going to go join him. Um, and then when he goes up, he, he hears, like, this dude is just standing in his chariot reading Isaiah. Now, in my mind, this is so, this hilarious thing. Like, in the middle of the desert, he's just like, I'm reading Isaiah. <laughs> and Philip's like, sweet. I don't know if anybody else was around. I don't really know what was going on. But the point is, he was reading Isaiah, and he didn't understand what was going on. And so Philip starts talking to him. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And they go on, it talks about the scripture he was reading. Um, then he's like, okay, who's he talking about? He's like, oh, dude, this prophecy is about Jesus. And so he tells him the good news. And then this guy responds. It says, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. So, I think with this, there's kind of a progression. First, you have to actually be reading the scriptures. So, if you aren't reading your Bible, good place to start. You actually need to be in the Bible if you want to learn about God. It's funny how that works. If I go to school, and I want to be a nurse one day, I probably need to read something about the human body. I'm not just reading a history book. I'm not reading this book about, like, here's what... People, you know, 500 years ago thought maybe the body was like on the inside before they cut it open. It's like, no, I'm not reading about like random concepts or people's thoughts. I need to read like the actual material. So that's the first thing. Actually read the Bible. Um, but then you have to be willing to admit when you don't understand things. And I'm not just talking to people who aren't Christians yet and who are trying to figure that out. I've been a Christian for like seven years now. And there are still a lot of things that I don't understand. That I'll read something like, man, I've read the Bible through however many times now, and this still kind of bothers me. This irks me. We were in our family group a few weeks ago, and I was like, hold up. I don't understand this concept. Y'all help me out here. And, you know, that's going to happen. And hopefully, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you're willing to ask for help. If the eunuch hadn't asked for help, he wouldn't have understood what was going on. He could have said, all right, dude, I got it. Like, Get away from my chariot in the middle of the desert. I wasn't expecting you over here. You know, but instead, he welcomes him up and says, hey, I need some help with this. So anyway, that's, that's important that you have the humility to listen. But then the eunuch actually responded after he heard it too. So we can't just have people explain scriptures to us and not act on it. And that's if you're not... Okay, how, how am I going to say this? If you aren't loving God more than the world, you aren't going to choose to follow the scriptures. So that brings it back to that first scripture. You know, do not love the world. You have to actually want to follow that to obey anything else. Because if you want to love the world and you want to love God, um, you know, the last passage we talked about, it talked about double-minded people. You are being double-minded. Nobody wants that. My wife doesn't want me to say, hey, I love you, baby, but I have a girl on the side and she's cool too. It's like, no. She, yeah, she doesn't want a side chick. She's like, I'm your woman. <laughs> I love me. And God doesn't want that either. You can't love the world and God. You have to really read the Bible and follow after him. 
Um, but the cool thing is, even with all this, I mean, even when people are helping you along, it's easy to want to just go back and love the world. But we have someone there to help us all the time for everyone who's become a Christian. So y'all turn with me to Jude. Uh, this is where we'll close out. And um, Okay, so Jude, there aren't multiple chapters. <laughs> um, verse 24, though. Uh, this really stood out to me the other day. Um, Jude is really short, and sometimes with the short books, it can almost feel like I like blink and I read the whole thing, and then I just move on and don't even remember what the key point was. So it's good to slow down and try to understand the context, but also just letting little bits and pieces stand out to you. And verse 24 really hit me the other day. Uh, this is talking about Jesus. It says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And this is a beautiful little piece of scripture, but um, just focusing on one, one part here, talking about Jesus, it said, Who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. And I share that to say that these were some heavy scriptures. Hopefully, if they didn't hit you with some weight, go back and read them on your own and meditate on them because these are some really heavy things to think about. And I know I can be kind of goofy and maybe like the way he presented this was weird and his shirt is tucked all funny because he doesn't know what to do with this cord. And you might have been distracted by a lot of things today, but go back and think about these scriptures. Keith's like, well, now I'm distracted. But, I mean, go back and really read these and let them sink in. And remember that as these scriptures are really hard, if you've decided to become a Christian and you've really taken the steps that the Bible lays out for us, then you have the Holy Spirit and you have Jesus there with you to protect you from stumbling, to make you stand blameless in His presence. And um, that really encourages me. You're not going to be perfect at all of this all the time. There are going to be times that you realize, hey, I, I did love the world. And that's where some of these concepts we've been talking about in midweek are so important. You need to go back to times of fasting, times of practicing denying yourself, times of confession, talking to people about this, um, just times of silence to be alone with your thoughts and be honest with who you are. Um,